AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. What's next? After the November crop production report, it is a long two months before there's another adjustment to the supply side of the balance sheets for U.S. corn and soybeans. Between now and then, what will be the driver of price action in the grain markets? We've got just the analyst to help us figure that out. Live from the wistful wanton wait with winter warnings warbling via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Bill Biederman from agmarket.net. Right after the news, Todd Bubba Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. I'm impressed, dude. I'm impressed. Challenge you know, heard, challenge accepted, and... Handsome newsman delivers on stringing together the W's. You well believed done. in me, Chip, and that's what made it all possible. And what makes it all worthwhile? You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, it's just, yep. it feels so good. Yeah, uh, well, that's good. That's good. You know, that's why I'm here. Make you feel good. I, I love it. I, I love it. That's that's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what it's all about. <laughs> welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. That is Davis Michelson. Hello, everyone. There's a mm-hmm. little more clarity in the elections. We're right. going to probably have a bit of that conversation at the end of the show today. But the way things stand right now in the Senate, the race is 46 to the Democrats, 20, uh, 48 to the GOP. They're, uh, they've decided that Ron Johnson did win in Wisconsin. We are still awaiting results out of Arizona, Nevada, and the Georgia Senate race between Warnock and Walker mm-hmm. is going to a December 6th runoff. Nobody got 50%. You know, I don't so, know if I'd want to be in a runoff with a Heisman Trophy winner. That's just me. <laughs> Maybe it's a different kind of race we're talking about, though. Well, you know, in Georgia, I don't yeah. know if I'd want to be in a runoff senate election with a heisman winner either no no (laughs) uh in the house 176 dems and 204 for the gop neither party obviously has a majority at this point um got to get to 218 the gop is within 14 of that the dems too much math for me to do right there yeah but it is it, it it is still looking like there will be at least a thin GOP majority when all the ballots are counted. Okay. All right. Bill Biederman's coming up. We're going to talk about the USDA reports. Let's get some of those details right now. Chip, December SRW wheat futures opened to slightly higher and tried to rally, but were trading moderately lower when the USDA supply and demand report was released. USDA delivered a smaller-than-expected U.S. wheat carryover estimate of 571 million bushels, but the 280,000 metric ton increase in global carryover weighed on wheat prices. December soft red futures closed below the bottom of the sideways trading range, closed on session lows, and closed at the lowest level since September 1. 
December hard red winter wheat futures 15 and three quarter cents lower at 930. December soft red wheat down 21 and one quarter, 806 and one half. December spring wheat closed at 938 and one quarter, down 12 and one quarter cents today. Yeah, that global carryover estimate carried a little more weight than what I, I thought it might through the close of the trade. Some technical damage done in that wheat market today. Well, USDA inched the national average corn yield up four-tenths of a bushel to 172.3 bushels per acre from last month, adding 35 million bushels to the crop estimate. USDA added 25 million bushels to expected corn feed and residual use to limit the increase in carryover to just 10 million bushels. Carryover was 25 million bushels smaller than trade expectations, but that was not enough to help corn prices trade higher. December corn continues to build downside momentum on the daily chart and posted the lowest close since September 1st. December corn futures three cents lower, 664 and one half. March corn down three and one quarter to 670 and one half. July corn futures closed at 666. (laughs) Down three and three quarter cents, Chip. All right. Uh, If there is any market that is asking what's next most loudly, it would Mm -hmm. be the corn market. So we'll, we'll spend some time on that with Bill. USDA raised the national average soybean yield four-tenths of a bushel to 50.2 bushels per acre, adding 33 million bushels to the 2022 bean crop estimate. Demand was increased 12 million bushels with estimated crush up 10 million bushels and residual use up 2 million. That limited the increase in bean carryover to 20 million bushels. Still, that was about 8 million bushels above the average pre-report trade guess. January bean futures opened a slightly lower and fell through support at yesterday's low on the release of the reports, then rallied back to spike resistance at yesterday's high and to post a high-range close. January beans five and a half cents higher, fourteen fifty-two. March beans up four cents, fourteen fifty-seven and one quarter. July soybeans closed at fourteen sixty-four and three quarters, up three and one quarter cents. Chip. Felt like the bean market was swimming upstream with wheat and corn trading the way it was. But, hey, got the higher close. That's a positive sign. Well, USDA added 200,000 bales to estimated 22-23 cotton carryover, weighing on futures. Dease cotton, 118 points lower, 86.50. On the livestock side, December fats opened to lower and near-session highs and closed solidly lower and on session lows. December fed cattle 147 and one half lower, 151.57 and a half. Jan feeders 25 cents lower, 179.65. And all but front month lean hog futures closed higher. December hogs 30 cents lower, 85.27 and one half. April up 42 and one half, 94.62 and a half chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Todd Horwitz, BubbaTrading.com. Good afternoon, Bubba. What's up? I'm always swimming upstream, Chip. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that you were on the blue side of the grain markets going into the reports. How do you feel about it now? I think they're going a lot higher. I, again, I haven't changed my views. I mean, if you and just as for Davis, six sixty six was the low <laughs> of the S and P in two thousand nine. So just remember that oh. when corn gets to thirty, now corn. I think corn's going to ten dollars. That's what I think. Okay. I don't think anything's changed. I think today is more of just a, a wholesale sell everything. You know, this was a, the election did not come out as desired by, of course, many investors, nor is what they had priced in ahead of time. And I think today you're just seeing sell everything and we'll ask questions later. 
but with the diesel fuel shortage and with the storages and stores and with the, what I think what's going to be short crop, I think we're going a lot higher. And I, again, that could change. I could be wrong, but in the meantime, we've been stuck between six sixty and six and seven bucks for. Uh, yeah, year. that's right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so. exactly right. So the Dow is off like five hundred points, like you said yesterday. It felt like they built in a little bit more of a uh, uh, of a. Uh, uh, red wave wave yes a red wave out there what do you make of the election what did you wh- what are some of the signals that you're taking from it well i think i think the biggest problem is is that i mean they're going to take the house which is good because we do need some checks and balances i think the biggest problem is that president trump you know he just doesn't know how to keep quiet when it's time to keep quiet and let the election take place I think they would have done much better if he if he had, had kept it quiet throughout the election. And I think that's yeah. going to be a real issue here uh, going forward, especially when you're going to have a big runoff again in Georgia for the second election in a row. You're going to have a Senate runoff in, uh, again, Warnock against Herschel Walker. Right. So, right. you know, I, I think that, you know, we need to, I, I think if you want to see the red side, I think you're pointing towards DeSantis and hopefully yeah. hoping Trump doesn't get in the middle of this whole thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good stuff, Bubba. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, brother. Have a great day. All right. We got Bill Biederman up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. That number, of course, 855-482-5524, followed by the number four. All right, yeah, 855-482-5524. Go ahead and give us a call. You can also tweet at us, hashtag AgriTalk, mm-hmm. in the message. That will increase the odds that I will see it mm-hmm. in time to actually talk about it during the show. Great. You can also send us an email, host at agritalk.com. Okay? Okay. Is that all clear? Yeah. Got it? I, great. I think great. I got it. I'm well, still trying to process the phone number that you gave there. Is that the right number? Yes, it that didn't was seem exact, like it was in the right no, order. No, no, huh? no, no. That was exactly the right number said, okay. exactly as it should be said. Exactly. Mm, all right. I okay. guarantee it. I sure. guarantee it. Very Welcome good. back. I'm Chip. That's Davis. Davis. Let's get to today's guest analyst, Bill Biederman, agmarket.net. Bill, how are you? Hey, great. Thanks for having me on today. Good, good, good. Glad that you are here, buddy. Um, you know, when I book these these report days, 
I kind of think ahead and think, you know what? We might get some surprises here. It feels like maybe the market's leaning in the wrong direction. This, that. Okay, let's get some experience in here and really discuss what's going to be a surprise of a market. And then we get this. <laughs> this yeah, was about as uneventful as could be, wasn't it? It was a, a, a real yawner, and uh, it's going to be a while before I think we see some numbers that move the market from the USDA. It might be January before we see something that pushes us a little bit. Right. Yeah, and what we're going to be watching from USDA between now and the January annual production summary, I mean, it, it comes down to South American crop estimates, right? Yeah, I think that was really a, a big deal. Uh, if you want to dig into those numbers a little bit. Sure. Uh, you'll you'll see that um, when it comes to uh, the the wheat numbers, uh, we've got Argentina and Europe that might see some more downward revisions, and in corn, certainly the European number is is probably coming down more. Um, okay. Now, what they might do is they may not bring that down because that would mean a bullish impact on the market until they see where this Brazilian crop is coming in. And if that Brazilian crop is coming in as high as uh, some people think, uh, then then that would give USDA room to lower that. But, you know, Brazil's coming in at 126 million metric tons. And yeah, that, yeah, that's 10 million tons more than last year, right? So, right. and some people think that it could go higher. I don't know. I mean, it's all going to be on weather, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But the way things look right now, it feels pretty good for that corn crop, doesn't it? I think it does. Um, and, and I think Argentina pegged in at 55. Uh, some people are saying 56. I don't know. I mean, last year they did 51 and a half. So, you know, again, they're under a tremendous amount of dry stress right now. But it, look, it's so early in the year. You can't you can't bet on that or trade that until you have more information. So the market to me just feels like we're transitioning from we were in a fear mode, like oh my gosh, we've only got a 30 day supply of U.S. corn and you know 16 day supply of beans and things are tight and the wheat market's bad and it's still in a drought and. Now we're starting to just kind of, we've gone from this fear, like, where am I going to get this stuff, you know, bought if there's a problem to just like no fear, more of a yeah. complacent attitude yeah. and buyers are just kind of sitting. And, you know, my concern, you know, working with producers is that if we transition from complacency to, ah, you know what, I don't have to worry about it because Brazil is going to have a record crop, da, 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 da. And right. we go to, to from complacency to, I don't care we could drop these prices with a deflationary fiscal policy. And, and all of a sudden we wake up someday and we get that conversation we never wanted to hear is, well, what do you mean prices are below or break even? Didn't you sell? I hate those conversations. So, you know, you can, you can lock in half of next year's crop, 2023, with a put, like a $6 put with a $7 ceiling price, something like that. It's really reasonable. And if you book half your price, your worst case scenario is you got the whole farm inputs paid for next year. And if you're wrong and it goes up to your ceiling price of seven, okay, I got half my crop sold at seven and I got the other half to still sell. I just, I, it, it's just blowing my mind that producers aren't jumping on that because the, the fear is this could sneak up on us really quick. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to talk more about that as, as we go, but, the the thing that concerns me about 
I don't know if we're at the complacency point. I think I know exactly what you're talking about when it comes to the uh, uh, Brazilian crops because the, the the crops are going in the ground. We've got some decent conditions in northern areas. It's dry in Rio Grande do Sul. It has been anyway. They've picked up some rains, but that La Nina pattern still seems to be in place. Yes, the, it is. In, and then right. right now they're saying it's going to be like a 75% chance it's going to be in place through the winter. And then starting in the spring, February, April, they're saying like 54% chance. So, I mean, that, that could cause a problem. And yeah. I, kind of, I hope it does, to be honest with you. <laughs> because what that tells me is we've got about a 75% chance then that at some point in the Brazilian growing season that a weather scare is going to get into the corn and soybean markets, right? Yes, and you're bringing up a great point because now let's go back to what we were all feared about a month or two or three months ago, and that is we're down to a 30-day supply of corn in the United mm-hmm. States. So if all of a sudden demand shifts and you know China's still got to import 18 million tons just to keep their, their things moving, if that demand shifts away from Brazil, which, by the way, this is the first time they're buying from Brazil, and comes to the U.S. Uh, without, I mean, without uh, with a 30-day supply, th- you guys are going to have to fight for my corn to buy it, right? Right. So you could light a fire under this thing if if that comes true and there is a problem down there. Right, right. That right there is probably the reason that it, it's it's part of the reason that farmer selling has been as slow as it has been correct i agree but i so like what we've done is every bushel that you know every customer is different but for all of our recommendations have have had keep the upside open somehow Uh protect the downside somehow at least to cover all your farm costs right and it's not expensive i mean i can't think of hardly any strategies we put on that are costing more than 20 some cents. Most of them are around 15. We, I did one today for nine. So, you know, you talk, you gotta, you gotta look at all the tools that are available to you because, you know, you don't want to wake up some morning and have that conversation with the one you're sleeping with. That would be a bummer. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it does go up and explodes, great, because all these strategies keep the upside open at least for a dollar. Yep. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with selling it a buck higher. Uh, right. So that I agree with with everything you're saying. There is a we are sitting on a on all the fuel is sitting there. All it needs is a spark. But without yep. that spark, without the spark, it doesn't go anywhere. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Headline driven markets they they need to be fed, and you can argue that a six seventy something. December corn market is a bull market. It doesn't have to go up. If it holds steady, to me, that's still a bull market. And a bull has to be fed every day. And if we're not getting some bullish headlines from somewhere, someplace, Bill, I I understand exactly what you're saying. The path of least resistance becomes down. And well down down to a point, right? Because there there is a economic value that kicks in. We were discussing that this morning on our cash call. And the end users that are involved in that are suggesting that from 650 on down, they're a scale down buyer for needs not not bought yet. And 
we talked about that little tiny quarter of a cent gap down at 630 and nobody thought we'd go that low. So there's not much downside unless things change or unless the whole altitude of the market starts to focus on fiscal policy, which might you know, probably be the same as it has been, which is to deflate things. And all of a sudden, these funds who have 250,000 contracts of corn on go, uh, maybe we only need 100,000. So, you know, that would be, that could put the market down, down lower. But I personally feel like you, we're really in a great value area. We've got tight stocks. We don't have enough news to warrant turning totally bearish. We don't have an, enough news to, to turn totally on fire bullish because the spark hit the fuel. And that's why if you look at a chart since the end of August, around August 26th, this market has gone into a range and, mm -hmm. and the bottom end of that range is 650-ish and the top end of that range is $7-ish and the market's content. Okay. All right. Good stuff, Bill. We gotta, we've, we've got to kind of run the same process on soybeans. I want to do that. But a couple of other things that you've talked about, deflationary fiscal policy, what happens in, in that kind of an environment? I want to get to the bottom line there. Um, not a lot to the downside. I get that. But what about basis? What is basis telling us about how this corn market is going to trade going forward? Bill Biederman, agmarket.bet. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. Democrats performed better than expected in Tuesday's midterm elections. Brazil is now expected to produce a record crop of soybeans this year. Conab cut its Brazilian corn crop projection while maintaining its corn export forecast. China's producer price index fell 1.3% from a year ago in October. That's the first annual decline in factory gate prices since December 2020. Inflation expectations among Eurozone consumers continued to rise in September, even as economic growth and income forecasts declined markedly. Consumers see inflation at 7.3% in the 12 months ahead, up from 6.9% they anticipated in August. And the impending winter storm does not appear to be advancing cash cattle negotiations. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more at tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, 
you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. Welcome back. I'm Chip. We have, or I should say, we're in the middle of a conversation with Bill Biederman from agmarket.net. Uh, Davis, before we get back to Bill, go ahead and recap where the market's closed. Chip, December hard red winter wheat futures were 15 and three quarter cents lower today, 930. December soft red wheat down 21 and one quarter, 806 and one half. December corn futures three cents lower, 664 and one half. July corn futures closed at 666, <laughs> down three and three quarter cents. I hate to even say it, Chip. January beans five and a half cents higher, 1452. July beans closed at 1464 and three quarters up three and one quarter cents. December cotton, 118 points lower, 8650. Livestocks, December fat cattle, 147 and one half lower, 151, 57 and one half. January feeder futures were 25 cents lower, 179.65. And December lean hogs, 30 cents lower at 85.27 and one half. That's your quick market recap. Back over to you, Chip Laurie. All right, Davis. Hey, the 666 yeah. has been a long running joke in the grain markets. No question about that. Uh, and in the corn market, except when I started. Mm hmm. It was when Deese Corn would close at 166 and three quarters. Ooh. Yeah. So that's 1666. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not not 666, but 166 and three quarters. All mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Let's get Bill back in here. Bill Biederman, you remember those days, Bill? I sure do. Can't, uh, <laughs> don't want to go back. <laughs> nope. No, thank you. <laughs> no, no desire to go back to that. So limited downside, what basis has got to be an indicator that, and one of the reasons why you see limited downside in this corn market. Absolutely. And if you look at the map that they issued today from the NAS production report, and you look at the red states and the deep red states, I'm not talking about politics, guys. Right, I'm talking right. Production. Um, I, I would... It's, it's a challenge. We have customers that are very concerned about getting livestock fed through the winter. You can see that all that grain that's, that's like even in Chicago, there's, you know, uh, shuttle trains heading over and then moving into unit trains and going down into that cattle feeding market. But, you know, even in uh, Northwest Iowa and uh, into South Dakota, North Dakota, they're pulling everything they can to get up to the PNW. Um, because of the river situation and getting exports out, it's a holy mess. And uh, you, know, you look at from Kentucky South and all the decline there, the poultry belt's on fire. So this basis is is going to stay hot until they either get their needs met, um, or or if the export you know business just starts to fall off the earth and go cheaper places. Uh, Hopefully that won't happen. You know, hopefully our exports will be picking up here in the in the next two months. But bottom line, all you got to do is look at that map and you go, man, how yeah. are we going to meet those needs? It's going to be tough. Yep. I tell you this much, uh, a uh, hog feeder up in Sioux County, Iowa, does not mm -hmm. like competing with a Nebraska or a Kansas feedlot for corn. No, no. And we all, you know, we all know the the feedlots that are paying two to two fifty, two sixty over. Yeah, and, nine dollars. Yeah. So the, the best thing that's happening for 
for that part of the market and trying to bring a little bit of order to it sounds crazy is the inorderly fashion of the of the Mississippi River, yep. which has you know shifted a little bit a few bushels to be able to go west and south. Yep. Okay. Um, Thirty-five million bushel increase on the crop. They added twenty-five million bushels to feed and residual. I was of the opinion yesterday that because of the slow pace that we've got on the shipments of corn, that USDA might pull that export estimate on corn down. Um, even if we got an increase in the, in the crop size, I thought they might take the export number down. They didn't. Uh, you think that was the right move? Uh, I think it was because of the seasonality of our exports. The next three months, we ought to pick up. So if they see a pickup, we could get back on track. But we're getting that window is starting to close. And uh, if we don't see a pickup soon, you probably will. I mean, we were guessing that they'd take 25 off. And they and like you say, they held. So but, you know, you also got to kind of put it in perspective. So, you know, they were at 2150, we're at 2125, you know, you can you can throw a bucket full of corn to make up that difference. But look right. at where exports were just a couple of years ago, 2753. Yeah. We're 600 million bushels below where we were a couple of years ago. And then you go, well, you know, that's China. And yeah, listen to this. Two years ago, China bought 21 million tons of imports of, uh, of I'm sorry, 30 of which 21 came from the U.S., the, yeah. the Ukraine made up the rest. Then last year, they bought 20 million tons, 10 million less, and 14 came from us, and then six, six came from Brazil, okay, or Ukraine. I'm sorry. My my slip of mind, because this year, they bought 4.5. We did 3.5 of that, but Brazil is sneaking in the back door here, and they've, yep. they're starting. Well, they sold a million tons to, to China already. So I really think... The dynamic of market share is going to determine that number, whether it's 2150-ish compared to 2750-ish a couple of years ago. And the dynamic of that market share is twofold, right? It's number one, can Brazil, can Brazil supply it cheaper? Yep. Or are they going to have a crop problem with La Nina? Uh, that's our only hope, be honestly, because... Our political situation with them is, you know, you've talked about is yeah. just so horrible. Uh, it's we, we've got we got to get it. Maybe it's getting that point where it's so bad we can finally sit down and, and sit in a chair against each other and, yeah. and and come up with a solution. Right. That's right. You fix the right. window once it throws a brick through it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. OK. OK. Let's let's go over to soybeans, Bill. Uh, any surprises in the report? Um, we're up to an 18 day supply now. So, Hey, uh, that's way better. <laughs> than we were. <laughs> we're two days better than we were. Right. Uh, but yeah. still so extremely tight. It, I know it's hard to be bullish beans right now with the, with the longer term outlook that, you know, was in the baseline numbers and what's in the South American numbers on the world sheet and all that stuff, but none of that's come true yet. So let's just say it doesn't come true. There's just not, we're in a very tight situation. These beans don't have a lot of downside, but just like corn, you know, all, all the way back going into uh, July even, well, uh, I'd say July or early August, we've been in a 13 and a half to $15 range and we just got up to 1450. You know, we're kind of in the upper half of that range right now, which is in, like you say, well, maybe we're in a bull market. Well, maybe we're in a sideways market and we're upper half. 
But there's no reason to go any higher than the upper end of the range until there is a problem in South America. And, and we have to chase the 18-day the supply we have here. Mm-hmm. But that's not happening yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, USDA added 10 million bushels to the crush estimate today. It almost feels like that is a number that by the by this time next year, Bill, they're going to be chasing that number, don't you think? I do. I, I you mean it'll go higher? Yeah, that's yeah. how I feel. Yeah, yeah. So, like you know, you look at all of our crushing and ethanol also grind. Those two industries have a lot of hope for for agriculture. You know, you look at the hundred percent biodiesel. I'm so excited to to get start getting that at the well, we don't have it at the pump yet, but you know, we need to, mm-hmm. that's a huge growth area for us. And um, I think that could, and our exports are doing good, you know, we just, but we're going to cancellations if, if China can get their stuff somewhere else, I believe we will see some check, some export cancellations, but yeah, the crushing industry is on fire. Uh, they've got profits locked in for a yeah. big part of the marketing year already. So even if crud hit the fan, I don't think you'd see crush back off. Okay. All right. Um, I like the fact that China is in and buying some beans again this week. Most of this probably happened last week on the big rally that we had in beans up 60 some cents. Yes. And, and I suspect they're going to keep buying and get out, you know, that four to five month look at least maybe 50 to 70% bought. Okay. But um, as soon as I think they see confirmation of a Brazilian crop, they'll do some yeah. switches. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to do on the risk management side for soybeans? Similar approach? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you can do a 50%, you know, bottom protected. Uh, I'm talking about 23 crop and you're fully got all your inputs protected and who cares, right? Uh, you're not going to be stressed out if it goes down and if it goes up, the upside's open. On the old crop, um, you know, just like just like corn, this old crop could stay very strong and explode if there is, you know, a spark that hits that bucket of fuel. Um, so you got to keep that upside open. Even if you're selling these premiums that we've got in certain areas, which is a great idea, strong cash flow, buy that new truck you wanted, and but keep the upside open, right? Replace it with a cheap call spread or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah, the the prudent thing to do in, in these markets is put that floor underneath the the you know remove the downside risk with some sort of a price floor, but maintain some flexibility and some upside price potential, some flat price potential. It it really feels like the prudent thing to do in here. So just put together the right strategy and and like you said, the. Oh, geez. With the volatility, the way that it's come down in these markets, Bill, you can do it affordably, can't you? You absolutely can. I know yeah. you got to go, but if something yep. happened and the spark came in, we'd be at $17, I'm guessing. Right. Good stuff, man. Thank you so much for making time for us, Bill. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right. That is Bill Biederman, agmarket.net. When we come back with AgriTalk, Davis and I will put a wrap on today's USDA report day. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov conservation. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory joins. Yes, sir. Uh, Chip, you mentioned... Earlier in the show, you want to hit some election stuff. Sounds like you've got some fresh numbers hot off the presses, so we'll get to those. Uh, let's discuss just a little bit our conversation with Bill Biederman because sure. Um, yesterday we were talking with Matt Campbell from Stonex. Yep. Uh, kind one of the th- and I think you actually said this, but. But he nodded it in enthusiastic agreement, if I'm envisioning the scenario correctly. <laughs> okay. Take a piece of the pie when the pie is passed. Right. Yeah. Now yeah, let me that... flip the page over to Bill Biederman. Uh, jump on the opportunity the market is currently presenting. Keep the upside open and protect the downside somehow. Mm-hmm. Any number of ways you can do that. Feels like it's the same message two days in a row. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I think you can probably start to to string these messages together. Uh, Friday, Dan Utech from New Vision Co-op up in in right. uh, uh, Minnesota was like, "Why in the world would you let these opportunities get away from you?" <laughs> I mean, um, the 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 opportunity is so great to lock in. Uh, your your expected production costs, and when you can, when you've got an opportunity to cover your expected production costs on 2023 crop by selling a portion of your expected your conservative expectations on production, if you've got that opportunity, you should probably be taking a, an awful mm-hmm. serious look at doing that. I mean. For me, when I was uh, when, when I was in charge of advice at, at Pro Farmer Davis, when that opportunity when that opportunity came along, it it was just uh, it, it was too overwhelming. I couldn't say no to it. So you sell half of the crop, you cover your production costs, and then you figure out just how much money you are are going to make by uh, by being you know what I would consider very aggressive with your marketing on the second half of that crop. I just, 
Makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bill also said we could drop these prices pretty quickly in a deflationary environment. Yeah. I haven't heard a whole lot of people talking about but, a deflationary environment. Bubba mentioned yeah. it sort of, I don't know if it's maybe six, eight months ago. He mentioned that as a potential risk. If this right. thing gets overdone, now you've got this huge sucking sound called a deflationary environment. Right, right. You know, and I've talked about it a couple of times in, in segment fours, too, mm-hmm. because the reset of value does concern me. It really does. And when I talk about the reset of value, I'm talking about on things like used cars, yeah, new cars, uh, a, a dozen of eggs, a gallon of milk. And, and, and that reset of value, if it happens and that reset is down, Holy smokes, those that are producing it that have kind of started to accept these higher production costs and work those into their their uh, balance sheets, their financial balance sheets, uh, that can have a real devastating effect, a very mm-hmm. devastating effect. Farmland, there's another one. Yep. And if it happens to farmland and we hit the reset on farmland values, Mm-hmm. It's going to have an impact on grain prices. I I just don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. Um. People may throw eggs at their radios when I bring up what Bubba said this morning. Why do you do this? Or this why, this afternoon? Why do you do uh, this? <laughs> because I think he's right. I was thinking it and didn't want to say it. I'm glad that he said it so I could just quote him instead of saying it. Uh, Trump needs to keep quiet. <laughs> oh. That's an yeah. interesting thought, and we don't hit politics very hard well, in this afternoon's show, so, you know, whatever. Well, day but, after election. Day yeah. after election, I, yeah. I think it's fair game. You know, uh, it just seems like an awful well, lot of the farmer and commotion we, around the guy. The farmer forum that we had this morning mm-hmm. with Tim Barak and Michelle Jones, Tim from Iowa, Michelle from Montana, they both were of the opinion that, American voters don't have the stomach for the controversy yes. that comes along with that likely comes mm-hmm. with another presidential run by Donald Trump. Yep. Um, the policies that he would bring with him, I think there are many Republicans that are very, very interested in bringing those policies along. Mm-hmm. I, but, boy, it sure looks like, based on what we saw yesterday, that they would prefer that somebody else carry those policies. Yep. And with the, uh, with the performance of the Republican Party in Florida, mm-hmm. and not just DeSantis, but Rubio as well, and what happened in Miami-Dade County, if... if 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 the GOP across the rest of the country is looking for a formula in which to build on, they should be looking to Florida and what happened down there. Uh, similar policies. I don't think there's any questions about that. Yep. That that President Trump would be, but it's a but somebody else is carrying the ball. Yep. And and I think that the. I you know I don't know this for sure. 
I don't know this for sure. I think that this is something that we're going to learn more about as we go forward. I don't think you can say that President Trump is, or former President Trump is out of the, is out of the game. Uh, even if he declares next week that he's going to be running, mm-hmm. I don't think you can rule him out at all. Uh, he's an outstanding politician and one that can make adjustments when needed to uh, make sure that they are in the running and relevant right up to the very end. So don't rule that out. Thanks for listening today. Come back tomorrow morning, 10.06 Central.